Ron Ananian. You can take this technology, and it's really kind of neat. You can display what's on your phone right into the vehicle. The Car Doctor. To leave the engine in that one position for four years... Think about what it's going to do to the valve springs. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. As always, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor at the Facebook page. Don't forget. And uh, by all means, get out to our website, cardoctorshow.com, and pick up the live uh, podcasting. and or, I'm sorry, the live feed and also podcasting there via a V-Spreaker. Um, quick announcement, if I can find. Whatever you do. Yeah. Who stole my copy? Tell him um, where it is. Okay, you're supposed cool, to give away well, a Wix okay, well, Tom, yeah, please I, we're... What are you guys doing? Nothing. Oh, uh, nothing. Nothing. We're, we're we're just sitting here. We were just talking amongst ourselves. Continue you know, doing your monologue. Yeah. I, don't don't pay any attention to us. Well, you, I you know, don't anyway. My so. papers aren't in order in my monologue, and down here at the bottom, I knew we were doing this. Aren't we doing a Wix diecast? Wix diecast giveaway key points. For over so many years, Wix has been protecting the engines our customers count on, no matter if their engines are relied upon. And we're giving away a Wix 75th anniversary 1939 Ford Coupe diecast car this hour, aren't we? You're going to take it out of our hands again. That's where it is. Yes. You know, uh, and I was looking for it down here in my pile of papers, and I, would you guys, you know, listen. No. We we get very little joy doing this show. Yes. You always take this car away from us. I know, because it's not yours. I have to give it away to one of the listeners this hour. Okay, I'll call in. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he knows how to use the phone. Um... Anyway, yeah, this hour we're giving a Wix diecast 75th anniversary 1949 Ford Coupe. Um, this is the we've given this car away for for a while now. It's a great little car. I've got one of my own. It features period black paint with custom cream red scallops in each fender, color coordinated red interior. More information at wixfilters.com. So uh, by all means, call in. Decision of the judges, Tom and Tony, if you can pry it out of their little seven-year-old hands, is uh, final this hour. So um, by all means, call in and uh, see if they uh, if they decide to uh, give it to you. Anyway, this is the Car Doctor. I am Ron Ananian. Um, I understand the phones are backed up, so rather than do an opening monologue, everybody cheers now. Um, now I know how Johnny Carson felt on the open, right? No monologue. Yay! Let's, uh, let's go over to the phones. Let's go talk to Patricia in Delaware, 16 Hyundai Santa Fe. Hi, Patricia. How are you Hi. today? Yes, ma'am. I'm good. I'm good. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. You um, too. I have a 2016 Hyundai Santa Fe, and between first and second, there's a hard month. Um, like a hard bang, but only when it's cold. Only when it's cold. Yes. And okay. we had it. We took it into the dealer, and he did a reset transmission uh, on the adaptive valve. Right. And that's there's a bulletin for that that's been out there a while. Bulletin sixteen AT double one, um, kind of a common problem. Did that, did that change anything? Did that help anything? No. Okay. And what did they tell you to do if it continues? Uh, nothing. They don't. They don't know what it is. <laughs> well, yeah, it's scary, isn't it? And we're only, and you know we're only going to make cars more complicated from this point on. Trust me, it's not getting any easier. So. You know, first question is, and and I think they admit it because they 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 attempted to repair it. Do they admit there's a problem with the vehicle? That's a yes, problem. they do. Okay, 
So they admit there's a problem. They've tried to fix it. And I imagine this is still under warranty, Patricia. It's a 16? Yeah. Okay. Yes, how, how, how many miles are on it? About 37,000. Okay. And it probably has powertrain coverage to 50 or 60, I'm guessing? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, the conversation has to be, it's, it's not so much as, hey, I could live with it. It only does it when it's cold. It's imagine being woke out of bed every day, really hard and harsh. Patricia, get up. Patricia, get up. Patricia, get up. Patricia, get up. Kind of like having kids, but you get the point, right? Like, mom, mom, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, all that banging isn't doing the transmission any good. And it's it's okay. it's gonna have a, it's gonna have an effect on it like you know your kids shaking you all the time mom get up and have an effect on you right leave me alone um, sure. you know there's got to be an answer and it's it's gonna be one of two things it's either something electronic or it's something mechanical if they've done the reset and it had no change in the operation of it and there are no updates and I'm um, I'm gonna mention that because I don't know it doesn't I'm not too impressed by the dealership so far I just want to be sure that they verify are there any software updates because sometimes software will fix a problem like this you know they reflash a controller and they they put the latest greatest updated software in it um that can resolve it but then after that you're into something mechanical in the trans and you know it's it's got to get resolved and it's it's not normal operation you know i i, I think i think the reason vehicle owners are intimidated to say something to a repair shop you guys just don't know how to talk. So I think the language here has to be, hey, it didn't do it when it was new, right? And, you know, there are other models out there that don't do it. So, therefore, my car is broken. My car is under warranty. What are you going to do for me? And then you got to stop talking. Okay. All right? I it's, can do that. It's as simple as that. <laughs> and i got a feeling you can talk a whole lot if you have to. So I'll, I'm sure you'll be fine. Um uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't raise my voice. I wouldn't get nasty. You no. know, it's just, hey, guys, you know, this isn't the way the car is supposed to operate. And if it is, you're telling me the product that you have so much faith in. And then you got to go talk to the owner or the general manager and say, you know, this is the place you work and this is the product you have faith in. And, and you're, you're telling me that it's normal for the transmission to bang this hard first, second, third gear only when it's cold. And you're telling me that it's not normal, but you can't fix it. Mm -hmm. Did you ever notice, okay. when, did you ever notice when you were buying the car? Did they give you the speech about how great their mechanics are, and that's why you should service it there? Well, actually, we bought it used. So. Okay, but but yeah. okay, but you but you still bought it and it still has warranty on it. Absolutely. Then they got to fix it. All right, it's as okay. it's as simple as that. It's either electronic or mechanical. They've tried the electronic side. I would just ask them: Is there any software update? And if it's not. It's mechanical. Resolve it for me. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt the car that much any any more than I have to. Okay. All right, Great. darling. Well, thank you for your help. You're very welcome. You let us know if you need anything else. You take good care. Let's okay. go over and talk to Lee in Minnesota, 04 Pontiac, and uh, what's going Hello. on here? Hey, Lee. How are you? Good. What's going on? Okay, I've got a 2004 Pontiac Sunfire. When I go to fill up the tank, whether it be full or empty, it acts like it's full. So, like, you're filling it up, and it goes, and the gas pump goes click okay. as if you got a full tank. Okay. I've tried rotating the pump every which way. It doesn't matter what gas station, and I have a feeling that's also why I got this stupid check engine that won't go away. Something um, isn't releasing for an air valve or something in the tank. Well, I mean, have you scanned any fault codes in the tank? Or I'm sorry. We did, every fault code always comes back to the gas cap, which that's been replaced. I've gone through and replaced 
all the sensors throughout the tank and it always, and I cannot get rid of whatever it is that's not letting me even put gas in. So it's literally push the pump really slow and just let the gas trickle in. Okay. Um, and it did it about a year after I got it. And it's just one of those, I replaced all the sensors. I kind of gave up. And then I found your show just passing the airway. It's like, well, why don't I give these guys a shot? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, know let's, you, do, you, do you happen to know what numbers? Was it a P0456, 442? That sounds very familiar. It's okay. just, I haven't scanned it in over a year. I just kind of gave up. So. Okay. Um, but the mileage isn't affected. I still get 20 to 30 on the highway depending yeah. on how fast I'm going. And so let's, it's like everything else. The engine runs nominally smooth. It doesn't burn oil. Nothing wrong. Let's, it's let's, just that annoying thing when you try to fill up the gas. Let's let's break it down into English. You ever try to put uh, gas in a gas can? Mm-hmm. And you ever not take off the little you know vent valve on the other side? Yep, and, it, and uh, you get the same thing. Right. Clicks off, clicks off, clicks off, right? Yep. Well, so in the car, there's a vent valve, and mm -hmm. that's that's really what it's called. It's called a vent valve, um, canister vent, and it's located back in the area underneath the car by the gas tank by the canister. And what happens is, as you're applying fuel into the tank, the vent is normally open when the key is off and the engine is off, and it's allowing fumes to come out through the canister, but they're vented through the canister so they don't get into the atmosphere, but it prevents mm -hmm. excess pressure from building up in the tank. Now... That canister, that vent, that vent could be bad, and I don't know if you've changed it or not, or if anybody's looked at it or tested it. That uh, vent, there that, is a there's a module that's on the back, that's on the tank, that's underneath. We replaced that, and I can't think of what it's called. Like I said, this was done about a year or two ago, so I can't remember what it's called. Um, was it was it the FTP fuel tank pressure sensor? I believe that it was what it was. Okay, yeah, the FTP it was like a twenty thirty dollar part, right? So, well, the vent's also a $20, $30 part, too. The FTP does just what it says, fuel tank pressure sensor, all right? Mm -hmm. it, it measures, it electrically measures the amount of pressure or, or lack of in the tank so the PCM knows state of or status of the tank vacuum or pressure mm -hmm. so it knows what to do as far as EVAP fuel control. So that won't necessarily. Yeah, when I was at the parts store, they said, "Oh, that should fix your problem," and it never did. So yeah, well, like... parts. That's that's because parts guys don't fix cars; they just sell parts. Um, exactly. And they shouldn't be allowed to diagnose. That's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's. I tell you what, if you can get it scanned this week and call me back or email me and let me know exactly what the numbers are, what the fault codes mm -hmm. are, I can give you a better description. But it sounds to me like I'd be looking at either a possible vent valve. Either the vent valve is bad or, and I have seen this, spider webs or some type of restriction between the vent valve, the canister, and the tank are such that it's not allowing the system to vent even though it's mechanically able to do so. It physically can't. Now, is that pipe easily probably replaced or just lift, get a lift and they can just change it out? Or? Um, yeah, it's, it's all, everything's accessible. It's just a matter of knowing what it is. But before mm -hmm. we start swapping any more parts, I want to know, I really want to know what codes we're really dealing with before we, you know, because we put new parts in and we know new means never ever worked. And, you know, we could be creating yeah. problems with marginal stuff and all of a sudden we've got bigger issues than what we really need to deal with. Um, all right. You, you know, what you could do. To prove the point is, go find the vent valve, disconnect it from the canister, and go somewhere and put gas in the car and see if it goes away. If the problem goes away, at least you know you're on the right track. If that doesn't mm -hmm. do it, disconnect on the other side of the canister. There should be a line that goes to the tank, all right? And mm -hmm. you can disconnect that, put fuel in it. Does that make it go away? If that solves the problem, you know it's either 
canister vent or one of the hoses or lines in between. Mm-hmm. All right? And at least you're working on it. Always go back to basics. Think of that gas can sitting on the driveway. Yep. If if that yep. if that vent valve isn't open, you're never going to be able to get fuel in it. All, All right. right? Last thought. Okay, last thought. If the fill neck, and I don't remember what an 04 Pontiac Sunfire um, looks like, but in terms of the tank, in terms of the fill neck, but if the fill neck is a pipe within a pipe, I have also seen where the inner tube falls off on some vehicles, and it creates enough of a restriction that it builds up pressure. And no, it is a smaller pipe, because I've looked underneath okay. there when I change the sensor. I'm like, gee, that pipe looks kind of small right. for a gas pipe. Okay. But before I go in that direction, generally I will see that fault with no check engine light. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the computer, that if, if, if that hose falls off, it doesn't affect the computer system such that the computer's smart enough to know that, okay, set a code. Mm-hmm. You've got a code. you got to solve. Yeah. You got to solve. So I would work from solving the code first and then work your way out to, to solve the problem. All right, sir? Yeah, because when I talked to my dad about it, he said, well, you could be whatever that thing that's causing that problem is tripping that sensor, thinking, well, you got something to lose or stuck. Right. Just go back to that gas tank, brother. All right, can't you can't fill a gas tank sitting on the ground with a closed vent. All right. It's just not going to work. All, All right. right. And your web, your email's right on your website there, right? Yeah, yeah. Just do Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. Okay, okay. I'll enough. find that code and I'll email it back to you. All right, we'll talk some more. All right, Lee. Thank you. You take good care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Running late. Got to go. I'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Hey, I see in the paper today, Toyota's recalling 2.4 million Prius hybrids for stalling them. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Let's uh, let's get back to the phone. Let's go over to Ken in Cincinnati, 2010 Mercedes. Ken, welcome to the car, doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Yes, Enjoy sir. your show. You Thank you, sir. Great information. Thank you, sir. Hey, um, yeah, this is in relation to a smart um, alternator. Okay. Uh, the newer alternators. I had a, a friend who had was having problems. The uh, S350 wouldn't start. Told put it on charger. She did that. It worked worked good. Worked for a couple of days, and then the next time she tried to start, it wouldn't. So she takes it to the trusty Mercedes dealer. For at 145 dollars later, couldn't find anything wrong with it. Uh, but, but let me go back a step. I have a, a little plug-in thing that I've given her to put into her cigarette lighter to read her voltages okay. because she's had trouble with this smart key, leaving it on. You know, you push the wrong buttons when right. you shut the thing down and it's it, still on. Isn't and, that confusing? You know isn't that the most confusing? And I get confused. With <laughs> it it's difficult. Well, you do, yeah. We, we, yeah. we, had, a, we had a car this week. I had a um, uh, uh, my, my buddy from the local Nissan dealer who was fixing a used car this week, so he had a GMC Yukon Denali. They needed something scanned and reset, and they brought it down. We hooked up one of the scan tools to it, and it's a, you know it's 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 push button smart technology. And I'm going first step, second step doesn't light up. Yeah. Third step, I spent more yeah. time accidentally starting the car than, and I couldn't get the procedure. That, but yeah, it's difficult. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean well, to uh, her first time was when she she shut the car down. She wasn't sure she shut it down, so she shut it down again by pushing the stop button. Well, that top, that puts it to the accessory full mode. Got out of the car. That doesn't shut it off. It stays in the accessory full mode, so you can work on it. Ran her battery down, right? So I gave her one of these little things she plugs in a cigarette lighter to help her, you know, troubleshoot things. Anyway, I told her to, to, to drive the car, and I said, 
what's the voltage you're getting when the car is being driven? She said 12.4 volts. I said, your alternator is bad because an alternator should be worth 14.1 volts, right? Well. Uh, and, yeah, and that's where it all came around until one of my friends said, not so fast. You know, one of my friends, we, you know, we talk about cars and junk like that, and I told him, so he said, well, said, not so fast. He said, the newer cars with the smart alternator drop down to 12.4 volts once the battery is fully charged. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. anyway, that's what I was calling you about. Uh, she did take it out there. They couldn't find anything wrong. Now, let me ask you a question. They said they checked the battery. So obviously they put the capacitance test on it and it said it would hold, you know, 500, 600, 800 TCAs, whatever it's rated right. out of, basically close to that. Right. Do, do you always do a load test on a battery when it's suspected part of the system or not? Um, more than once. More than once. Usually, we, well, yeah, you yeah. think you it, think they did? You think they did? A, you think they just used the CCA test and said, "Okay, it's okay." Well, but the CCA, you know, there's a couple of different CCA tests. So I have one, two, three, four, five different battery testers in the shop. Two of them do one okay. test. Three of them do it the other way. Um, okay. It's it's not that I don't trust anything, but. I just don't trust anything. Sometimes you need more than one opinion, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, every everything, every every tester does it off of CCA. They just do it different ways. Um, the one style tester does a CCA test, and then it's a mathematical algorithm. It's it's looking at um, um, the minute voltage drop, and it's it's calculating it out, and it's saying, okay, if it does this at this load, then it should be this at that load at this temperature. And they always make you take a shot of the battery's temp and then they pass it good or bad. That is a no capacitance but a battery load test, um, you know, simple and easy, and that's the quick test. Then there's, you know, the old school, what we sometimes think of as a carbon pile load, uh, make the machine heat right. up. You can cook toast yeah, on the top grill. Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah. 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 The old the old SunVat 40, I'm dating myself here, um, machine that everybody had, you know, a million years ago when, you know, God was young and dirt was invented, and I started fixing right. cars. Um, and, and you know, you could you, you use that test. And, yeah, that's, that's a true capacitance test. You're stressing the battery out. I've had a couple of batteries. I've had a couple of weird things with batteries lately um, uh, that make me think that, you know, we need to bring back the capacitance test, the hardcore load test, more and more. But here's the bottom line. Don't judge it by the 12.4, the charging rate voltage. It's really is the computer setting a fault code because your friend is right. They are smart sensors, and they will calculate voltage requirement and demand, and if it's incorrect, set a code. So I would go more by that than by, hey, what's the charge rate based on what you've got plugged into the cigarette lighter? This isn't your father's Oldsmobile anymore. Ken, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. I'm Ronnie Annie, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Don't forget this hour, we'll be giving away the Wix uh, 75th anniversary 39 Ford Coupe. Decisions of Tony and Tom is final. Let's get over and talk to Paul in Long Island, 16 Honda CRV. See what's going on here. Paul, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Hi, Ron. Thanks yes, for sir. taking my call. Yes, sir. The only pattern I can see is it's the first startup of the day. We start the car in the garage, and I typically don't wait much more than five seconds before I put it in gear. It'll start to stumble. 
it'll catch itself. That'll that'll be okay. Back it down the driveway, which is fairly inclined. Get it down to the bottom on the street, and when I put it in drive, it takes several seconds before the transmission engages, almost as if it was slipping. I don't know if that's uh, in those CRVs. One of the Honda dealers. I took it back to the original selling dealer uh, a few months ago, and they kept it overnight and couldn't replicate the problem. Any dashboard warning lights on, Paul? Nothing at all, no. All right. How many miles are on the car? Twenty-six thousand. Always a good place. To, always a good place to start is just basic maintenance. You know, it's coming due for a thirty. I would. Um, I would, and nothing comes to mind. I would hope that the dealer, as part of the routine of diagnosis, would be to run the VIN through the database to see if there's any software updates. That they uh, did. They okay. Said, well, they said they did. All right. And, you know, if, if and, and, and to the point that when they say they do that, that's actually, and I tend to believe them because if the vehicle's under warranty, they get paid more to do more. Um, you know, it's it's sort of their opportunity to make more money on the car from the manufacturer. So I always right. kind of think if they say they're doing it, they're doing it. Um, you know, I, I get it that, you know, it's hard for us to accept that they are, but, you know, they are. Um, so if they do that, then the only, the only quick thing that comes to mind, short of seeing it and experiencing it, and, you know, the hardest thing is reproducing it is, you know, cleaning the throttle body and performing a, an idle relearn. Um, you know, just as normal maintenance at you know okay. at, at, at twenty six, twenty eight thousand miles, whatever you got on it. Well, um, they've been doing this for quite a while. I had it back to them probably over a year ago initially. It's been to them several times, and I mentioned it two times. The, the second time they suggested we left it overnight, which we did. So this has been going on for quite a while. But now, when they when they do it, they can't duplicate it. They can't they replicate say it. They ha yes, they say they haven't uh, haven't noticed what I say. Now, I, there's no way to check the transmission fluid on those. One of a friend of mine that works at a Honda dealer talked to his lead mechanic, and he said that possibly the fluid is low because backing down that driveway, whatever the condition is going on in that transmission, maybe for that few seconds it's low on fluid, and that could possibly be the problem. But I have no way of checking that fluid. Right. I mean, there is a, there is a there is a, a check level, but it's not some the check method. But there isn't anything you can do per se in the, in the home driveway, which I think right. is one of the you know hypocrisies of we have no more dipsticks. Um, but that doesn't explain the stall and the engine running rough because you're 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 really describing two different symptoms. Or exactly. I, I, yes. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, are they both a repeatable? reproducible problem that's a very good question is it i've heard you mention that code six in the diagnostic mode code. six yeah i mean you know to look you could look at mode six in something like this mode six m m mode with an m um you, you know will will in the right hands will show you hey here's where it's going but if this has been if this has been an ongoing issue for the past year Correct. You you would think that it would have deteriorated to the point that it finally you know caught that up to it itself. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, short of that, you know, we can also make some assumptions and diagnosis and say, all right, um, let's let's say we go and clean the throttle body and we verify that that's operating properly and the trans fluid level is good and there's no issue there. Then the next step is you know back in the old days when when cars were a little more possessed or, or the ability to be possessed. We'd sit down with a lab scope and go sensor by sensor, moment by moment, day by day, and just scope every sensor on the car. Um, got to be expensive, got to be time-consuming, but we, you know, sooner or later, it's, you proved what was good, you proved what was bad. Um, you know, but my question becomes, how reproducible is this? 
it's, it sounds like you live at the top of a hill. Your driveway's at the, like at the top of a hill. The house is at the yes, top of a hill. Correct. Um, yeah, the house is kind of up, you know, up on not right. a hill per but, se, but it's but, but probably elevate, elevated. Elevated, a, a mound. Um, can you park the car in the street? Yes. Is it? I mean, is it safe to park it on the street overnight? I, I don't. Well, we've had it when we go to Florida in the winter. We've had it in a, in a different environment. And it's it again. It's an inclined driveway, but nowhere near what we have here. So I would I would rule that out. So well, I, well, the question becomes: Does it do it on a flat surface if you start it up cold? That I can't say for sure. I'll have to tr you know just leave it out and try that. I mean, is there a local supermarket or someplace you could park the car overnight, or your neighbor's driveway that you could go over there in the morning? Hey, can I borrow your driveway and just? You know, sometimes That's, diagnosis is just determining can I reproduce this or not. Because if the dealer's starting off in a flat parking lot, then that's a big piece of the puzzle. Okay. You, you know, that's um, I, yeah. You know, I, he's he's not going to be able to see it because he won't experience it. I do have a neighbor with a flat driver. That's a very good idea. You know, maybe that's where we're going to go. Hey, Paul, stay on the line. Um, Tom and Tony, I think they're I think they're done playing with this. Um, have decided that you're going to be the winner of the Wix 39 Ford Coupe today, 75th anniversary, courtesy of the folks at Wix, wixfilters.com. So stay on the line, let Tom get your information, and we'll get Thank that car sent much. out Thank to you. Ron. You're very Thank welcome, you. sir, and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Um, Toyota is in the news. Toyota recalls 2.4 million Prius. Toyota's recalling 2.4 million cars worldwide that could stall while driving. The Japanese automaker said Friday that the recall affects about 807,000 Toyota Prius in the U.S. It covers certain 2010 to 14 Prius hybrids and certain 12 to 14 Prius V hybrids. The defect occurs in rare situations. So we're going to recall almost, you know, a million cars in rare situations. Um, hmm. It involves the vehicle failing to enter a fail-safe driving mode in response to certain hybrid system faults. When that happens, the vehicle could lose power and stall while power steering and braking would remain operational. Vehicle stall while driving at higher speeds could increase the risk of a crash. Um, it's not the first time Toyota has had trouble with the fail-safe procedure with some of the cars the company issued recalls in 2014 and 15 to address similar issues. You know, it's interesting how big of an issue uh, recalls have become. When I purchased my new 2019 Chevy Silverado from the folks at Paramus Chevrolet uh, a week ago, uh, 10 days ago, whatever it was, um, they couldn't, it was interesting, they couldn't release the truck to me until they verified all the recalls or that there were no recalls on the vehicle. And if there were any that they had been done and the vehicle was brought up to date, they weren't allowed to sell me the car. And they weren't, you know, and, and the reason I say that to the point that we originally were going to do the, do, do the close, you know, pick up the vehicle on Friday. I got there Saturday. I couldn't do it Friday. We got there Saturday. They had to change the dates on some of the papers to say, as of this moment, what time is it? Oh, it's 341. Okay, good. You know, there's, there's no recalls on this car as of 341 on Saturday, blah, 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 such and such date. Sign here. Um, and I was like, wow, they're really being, he says, yeah, Andy was telling me, he said, they are so specific now. He goes, if we sell this car while there's a recall, we'll get fined, and we get in a lot of trouble with GM, as, as all car companies do now. So they're taking a great deal of care and caution when it comes to recalls uh, that they don't, they don't, they're not allowed to put cars out there. So, you know, trust me, if Toyota's recalling these, these 2.4 million Priuses, um, it's, it looks like it's about a million of them in the States. Um, if they're recalling them, it's, it's got to be a problem. It's just... Uh, you know, so it's something to be aware of if you're driving a Prius. Um, you know, be aware that you're probably getting a notice just shortly. This just came out in today's paper. I happen to see it while uh, eating breakfast this morning. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this.
He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Welcome. Hey, everybody. So, you know, this is a little unsettling. In the, in the first hour today, we had Julie from California on. She was talking about her 2016 Jeep that had been repaired, $24,000 worth, and it wasn't repaired properly, and she was looking for some advice. So I emailed her during the breaks in the in the hours because I wanted to just offer some additional thoughts. And I, I feel bad. I really do. I think this is ridiculous. She's got a vehicle that costs twenty four thousand dollars to fix with you know six or seven thousand miles on it. And she can't drive. So she wrote me back, Ron. Thank you. Apparently in California, listen to the way this works. And I'm appealing to our listeners in California if they've got any insight or a direction for this person, I would really appreciate hearing from you. And we'll talk about it on air. Apparently. In in California, once the repairs were done and we took possession of the car, Geico is now done with their responsibility. If I had stayed with Allstate, they would have seen it through to the end, making sure it was repaired correctly. I am not under contract with Geico, therefore they owe me nothing once I've picked up the car. I can't even get a call back from them. The original body shop tells me I can drive it and just replace the tire every 2,000 miles. Others have told me not to drive it until it's repaired. I wanted your opinion. I have nothing in writing stating not to drive it, and I'm afraid that I can't prove I'm afraid that I can't prove being told not to drive it. I'm trying to do what I need to do to prove my losses and small claims. The car has sat in our driveway for six months because we are afraid to do more damage while trying to figure out the problem. And I've got to think you've got to be afraid for your safety. You've got a car that's had frame repair work that wasn't done right yet. Well, I, I wonder, in uh, in California, is California a no-fault state? Well, that's what I'm thinking. B- because New York's a no-fault state. My wife's had a couple of car accidents, not her fault recently. We just picked up the phone and called our insurance company and walked away. They took care of everything from that point on, and it was fixed right. And Plus, we got to re- choose our repair shop and the whole bit. So She continues, I've put 115 miles on the car in the last six months, taking it to four different places to get multiple opinions that it is indeed a suspension issue. I plan to get it fixed and then take him, meaning the body shop, to small claims. I feel that we are entitled to loss of use for the last six months, the day since he first saw the car and refuses to accept any of the reports of suspension issues from the initial repair. Thanks for your time and words of advice, Julie. That's ridiculous. I don't understand how that works in California. Is that a is that a statute that and again, for our listeners in California, how does it work in California? Is it does it is it true that if you supersede your your insurance company and let the other guy take it over that your insurance company is not responsible? Well, if, if I I mean I'm not a lawyer or an insurance expert, but if it's not a no-fault state, it, my understanding is if it's no-fault state like New York is, doesn't matter who's at fault, you go through your insurance company, they go after the other insurance company, and that way your insurance company is working for you, not the other guy. Well, and I think you that's, know? you know, Tom, and I think that's the key, because in, in the accidents I've had in my lifetime and in the family and any time I'm involved, I've always tried to let the insurance company deal with it. I mean, that's that's their job. That's what they're there for. Um, that That creates that obligation and that sense of contract. But I don't understand how... And I, this much I know about California, I was under the impression that in California they have a Bureau of Auto Repair that maintains a standard saying it's got to be fixed to this level. Here's a vehicle that Julie can prove has eight defects in workmanship in terms of the way the frame was repaired, and yet she's stuck with it. She's got a vehicle that she can't drive, can't sell, and, and you know... You would think under the law that they would be required to fix the vehicle to, to the level 
that it is fully serviceable and in the condition, at, at a well, minimum, in the condition it was in when the accident occurred. You know, a million years ago in another lifetime, I sat on the board of directors of the Automotive Service Association of New Jersey on the mechanical side, and it was strictly a, uh, it was really a collision organization, and um, a very dear friend, Richie Johnson, and I, we sat on this board together. Richie's gone now five, six years. Um, and we sat on this board together as mechanical co-chairs, and we listened to the body shop guys talk, and, and, and time and time again, the conversation was that it is the obligation of the body shop to return that vehicle to pre-accident condition, and that's what the language of the insurance policy is there for. That is the obligation of the insurance company. It is a contract between the purchaser, you, the, the insured, and them, the insurance company. How can California be so different? Um, you know, unless it really is true, all the nuts roll downhill, and you know, here we are. Welcome to California. And you'd think that the body shop would want to maintain a reputation. Well, you know, and I go back to the story of, oh, we're up against the clock, but I go back to the story of the Firestone with the oil filter problem up in Massachusetts. Fix the car, make the customer happy, get positive press instead of all this negative press and creating bigger issues. Eh, what do I know? 855-560-9900. Julie, we're polling for you, and uh, we're going to see what we can do from our end here. Uh, we'll return right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Quick piece of email. This comes to us from Fred in Kansas City. Hey, Ron, I was listening to you talk before about the 2011 Ford Fusion with the drive shaft problem, and I was wondering why when you referenced the part, you only looked up a Ford part, and you didn't check to see if it was available aftermarket. Any reason for that, Fred? Yeah, Fred, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I did actually look aftermarket. So we're talking about the 2011 Fusion all-wheel drive that I was discussing last hour that had a problem with one of the U-joints for the shaft going through the rear differential. And had to replace the shaft assembly. It was an eight nine hundred dollar shaft assembly uh, from Ford. And the reason I, I I quoted Ford was because when I looked it up in aftermarket, I'm always concerned about quality of part and duration. Also, the fact that you know I think about warranty issue. Um, I know with Ford, it'll be under the uh, Professional Service Network, and you can see more at FordPSN.com and read about their Professional Service Network there. But she's got nationwide warranty on the vehicle, I believe, um, which is always a good thing, especially if you're a single woman traveling alone. She's got, you know, she's a mom with a couple of kids, and yeah, you got to think about, you know, what are they going to do when they need repairs? Um, but the fact is, the aftermarket parts prices were within a hundred bucks of the Ford part. Um, you know what? I'm that close. I want the OE design, especially the fact that I've got to drop the entire exhaust system to get the drive shaft in. It just makes it uh, you know, that much easier to do. Um, or I'm sorry, it makes it that much more correct to do. Use an OE part. She got 100,000 miles out of the first one. I'd like to see her get 100,000 miles out of the second one. So, uh, But you can read more about Ford PSN at FordPSN.com. Uh, quick, quick piece of information from the Car Care Council, and I think this is very timely, right? They're, leave it to the guys at the Car Care Council. Um, they're, they're, they're always thinking about it, right? Um, uh, this comes to us from Rich White. Uh, they point out in a flood zone, check your vehicle for flood damage. How much rain have we had lately? Oh, boy. Um, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, think about the potential for flood cars. Um, Bethesda, Maryland, October 2nd, 2018. This is brand new. Record rainfalls have hit parts of the country, and flooding has taken its toll on vehicles. Thousands of cars, trucks, and SUVs have been damaged by floods, and the Car Care Council recommends that car owners in these areas check their vehicles for sign of water intrusion or contamination. And I think this is really in sense of not just vehicles you're buying, but a vehicle you own. All right, if the vehicle's been outside, if the vehicle is standing in two feet of water, you'd be surprised, uh, you know, if it gets into the rear axle, the transmission, and you're still driving and it's still running because the vehicle starts, you know, maybe it's time to think about drivetrain fluid. 
Um, Rich White points out, uh, take water damage from a flood can unknowingly cause problems that will be costly to fix down the road, Executive Director Rich White, Car Care Council said. In addition, flood damaged vehicles can be unhealthy to occupy because of mold and bacteria growing in the carpet and the ventilation system. So some very timely advice from the folks at the Car Care Council. Um, naturally, more information at uh, carcare.org. I'm Ron Anini in The Car Doctor. Thanks for stopping by this hour. I'll see you next week. Till then, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. We'll be right back.